Hey folks, greetings from the Offensive Security Group here at Secure IT360, coming at you with a new episode of the Cyber Threat Perspective. You've got Mr. Darius and myself, Brad. Uh, we're going to be talking about future trends in penetration testing. I think it's an appropriate topic. Uh, we're, we're wrapping up 2023, going into 2024, and there have been a pile of changes in our landscape. Um and, and so we're going to kind of start diving into that. There's very likely going to be a second part to this because it is a lot of material to cover and we feel like it would be better suited probably instead of making like a 45 minute episode, maybe, maybe we make two twenties. So we'll see how it goes. Um, before we get into all that though, quick admin, uh, if you guys like what we do and you enjoy the, the episode, um, you know, like share, subscribe, all that good stuff on whatever channel that you're consuming this through. The most important thing you can do is tell your friends about us and help spread the word. Um, all right. So Darius, just kind of like off the top, man, like, obviously we, it makes sense that we need to be looking forward. Why, why is it so critical, especially in the pen testing world? Oh man. So it's kind of interesting. Yes. Particularly in the pen testing world, we do have to keep up with things, but I think it goes for just the nature of just it cybersecurity in general is that things move fast, things move quickly. Um, and if you really want to stay relevant in the industry, you have to keep pace with what's going on, yeah. um, which involves having to adapt to new technologies, new processes, just all of that. Because the reality of the matter is the threat actors, they're adapting. And so, and you know, as they adapt, so do we. Man, I would even, you know, I would take that a step further and say the threat actors are setting the pace. You know, and and so we are even even in the pen testing world, there are times when we're proactive. Um, you know, there are examples where our team is putting out CVEs or our team is 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 putting out POCs for for exploits and stuff. And so in that regard, in some cases we are proactive, but I would say 90% of the time the threat actors find something before we do, and then we adopt that into our program. Um and and so you know it's interesting. At least to me, it's it's a little paradoxical, if you will, that we're still seeing the basics. So, like, we still see cross-site scripting, like almost every week, right? Which which cross-site scripting, I think, originated in the '90s, man. So we're like 20, 30 years out, still seeing that stuff. But yet, we're still adding new, different types of exploits and different platforms. And you know, now there's you know impersonation in the cloud, and there's you know all this like really cool new stuff. So so the old stuff doesn't really go away. So we still have to track it, keep up with it. Um, but it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we have to be, you know, kind of aware of all of that. So, you know, it, I, it's fascinating, at least, you know, just kind of from a, from a high level, I think. Um, it's, to, one of those, to know it's one of those the things, it's one of those that's kind of interesting. Um, just piggybacking off of that is this, this is kind of like one of the only jobs where you work on something really hard and it's really cool. And it's like, look at this amazing thing I did. And then a couple months down the line, it's like, ah, doesn't matter. We've moved past it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's it's almost out of date as you write it. Yep. You know, and it, it, I don't know, man. It's really cool, but it, it does keep you on your toes, no question about it. And um, I, it's also interestingly enough, the only job I know of where you can beat up on somebody's project and they'll thank you for it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, hundred. I don't know. It just seems weird, man. <laughs> Everything about this job is weird. Um, so, yeah. So you know, we we talked a little bit about how the threat landscape changes. Um, we have to pace that we have to keep up with it. So, um, you know, the, the looking kind of at the show notes, like evolving threats, right? So what are some examples of things we kind of expect to see going into 2024 based on what we learned in 2023? 
Yeah. So this is one that I feel like you, Spencer, our entire team, we talk about, we've talked about it before. And that's the fact that you can expect to see um, exploits written in new languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why is because security tools are are catching up. It used to be, you know, hey, PowerShell was baked in and you could do so much with PowerShell. Um, but now a lot of EDR solutions, they're catching on to it. They're, they're, they're able to, to catch the signs. And so now it's just it's coming, it's becoming harder to even use PowerShell to do things. It is, so yes. what do you do? You, you pivot. And so that's where we get into uh, languages like Rust and Nim and Go, which I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Go. Um, but we, I think we can expect to see more exploits written in these languages uh, just because, one, EDR solutions, they're not fully catching them yet. Right. But two, they can provide some very similar functionality and being able to use like calling native Windows calls, uh, window API calls. It's a, it's a thing where you don't have to reinvent, you don't even have to reinvent the wheel. You're literally right. just porting your export to a new language. And then boom, you know, now you're no longer getting blocked. You're able to disable logging. You're able to basically do whatever it is you need to do. Yep. Completely agree with that. And, you know, again, you know, you can, you can almost look to the, to history to be able to see what's coming in the future. And, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't worry about that stuff, right? We could do everything either uh, in, in native scripting languages like bash or, or, or the terminal or whatever, um, or, or we did it in Python or Perl. All that's changed. It's completely different. And now you have to have, right. Right. And it's still, it's still around, man. Like you can still get new POCs off of GitHub um, in Perl. And I'm just like, who's writing this stuff, man. But anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, no, I completely agree. And, and it, it does make some, make for some challenges for us, right? Because now we got to keep track of that. So same, same thing for you in the web app pen testing world is, you know, um, again, 10 years ago, we, everything was written in C sharp or, you know, PHP. And it was almost all robust front end applications with integrated logic. Now everything's freaking node with an API behind it. Yep. And, and we just have to continue to learn and be familiar and the old stuff doesn't go away. So uh, I expect that to continue going into 2024. I think we're going to continue to see these compartmentalized applications. These uh, framework based applications are going to continue because they're easy. Yep. You know, I mean, you can build those faster than you used to be able to build a wireframe. Um, and, and of course, APIs make everything amazing. Half of the API construction is automatic now. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's going to continue. And I do think we're going to see new and, and, and creative programming languages in the endpoint space. I think we're going to see that too. So, um, all right. So new TTPs, what did we see? And this is recent, right? So talking about, um, some of these threat actors are doing the Robin hood thing, which is, which is kind of new. It's not completely new, but it's kind of new. And what I mean by that is there was recently a threat actor that hacked into an organization, the organization didn't report it. The threat actor reported them to the SEC. Man. Like, wow. Yeah. So, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we've seen in the past where threat actors would release information like publicly saying, Hey, yeah, we hacked into these guys and here's our proof. Um, we've never seen them ally themselves with the regulatory space. And I think, I think they have set a new, a new kind of pace, right. With this particular threat actor, I think other threat actors will pick up on that. And I think we can expect to see that as part of the ransom. 
So, so, you know, it's not just going to be, Hey, if you don't pay me, it's going to be like, Hey, if you don't pay me and you don't disclose it, we're going to report you. Man. Yeah. And that, man, that definitely sets a new precedent. hundred percent. Um, yeah. cause man, previously, yeah, I, w- I wonder, I just actually mentioned it. It just makes me think of one, how does that affect cyber insurance? Uh, it's a great question. Two, yeah. You know, that, and just also the fact that, yeah, a lot of times in the past it was like, Hey, we had a breach. It's really easy to kind of just, we're gonna pay the ransom, sweep it under the rug. Yep. Um, so you know, I can definitely see how that's that's definitely going to change the landscape. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, it's it, and like you said, there's gonna be ripples across the entire industry in, in DFIR, you're gonna see ripples in insurance, regulatory space, all that stuff. There's probably gonna be different penalties or maybe even some more legislation written around that. It's just gonna make everything even more complicated than it already is. Um so what about some other evolving threats? So one of the things I see in here, I know you want to talk about a little bit, uh, the MFA prompt bombing. Yeah. So this is one to where as, as we're getting to the point now. And um, I think we see this a lot on our external network pen test is, you know, reality of the matter is everything has MFA now. Yeah. Um, the chances of you really finding a, an admin panel or, or, or solution that doesn't have MFA pretty much non-existent. It's rare. Yeah. I mean, even in the external pen test space, it's uncommon for us to pop a set of credentials and it not be MFA. Yeah. 100%. It's rare. And so, and so with that, that's where, you know, MFA prompt bombing came, came up, right? You, you, you got to this point where it's like, okay, well I have valid creds. Well, let me, you know, do some things, do something like one, I'm going to get a VPN and try to, you know, come in from, where I think this user normally logs in from, right? So we have something yeah. like that, and then I'm just going to continuously hit, um, you know, hit login until eventually you accept yes. Well, I think kind of the interesting thing about that is, um, while I think that is an emerging, an evolving threat, um, we're seeing security vendors respond to that. To where, like for example, Microsoft now used to, used to have the ability to just approve deny. Yep. Um, that's now been deprecated. Now it's 100. percent like maybe you don't have to go grab a code, but it's at least saying, "Hey, out of you know, number pops up, enter it into authenticate on your phone." Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of changes changes things a little bit to where now we as pen testers and threat actors we do have to be a little bit more strategic with our MFA prompt bombing. Um, something yeah. else that Microsoft recently announced that they were going to do is they're trying to reduce MFA notifications, and so they're from my understanding they're tying in the suspicious login feature with, with MFA. So it's, it's definitely a situation of, Hey, I think this is a suspicious login. I'm not yeah. even going to notify the, the user. And yep. so I definitely expect at some point to, uh, you know, eventually we will figure out a way around that. But for the time being, that adds an additional layer of complexity. I agree. And, and I would almost say that this is the reverse of evolving. And what I mean by that is it's actually involving better because the, the prompt bombing is a relatively recent attack method. However, to your point, the vendors have done a great job of pivoting quickly. And so they pivoted so quickly, in fact, that there was only really a short window of time that you could effectively prompt bomb. And while there are still clients out there using older solutions that do allow prompt only, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you. Um, Duo. 
Duo. Yeah. Duos. It's been tough, man. Cause every, you know, the first thing we do when we ask a client, you know, during kickoff, it's like, all right, what kind of MFA solution are you guys using? And they're like, Oh, we're using duo. And we're like, you don't have push on do you? And they're like, yeah, we're like, man, it's going to be a tough one for you, buddy. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and I mean, you know, 80, 90% of the time, it used to be a hundred percent of the time we've had one client this year that we, we prompt bombed and they didn't click, but every other one has. And so, you know, it's, it's almost a given at this point that if they're using propped only for MFA, we're, we're going to end up inside their environment. So, um, you know, we're, we're glad to see, but yeah, to your point. And, and by the way, even duo, just to be clear, has the option yep. to do a code, but it, you know, not everybody's using that yet, but we're, it's just less and less. And, and I, so I will say, yeah. that's why I'm, I'm impressed by Microsoft's approach of they're just outright. Yeah. They're like, Hey, you have no option. Anymore. You have no yeah. option. I love it. Yeah. Which, which is odd, by the way, again, Microsoft, man, half of their security vulnerabilities are air quotes features that they won't turn off, you know, like user enumeration through um, OneDrive. But then they they turn around and they do amazing, you know, leaps forward in, in you know, fixing big problems like MFA prompt bombing. And so I, they, they make no sense to me. Um, all right. So. I, I agree. I think that's something that we need to watch going into 2024. I think MFA prompt bombing is going to slowly go away, just like some of the other problems have slowly gone away um, in the authentication space. Uh, you know, and I'll tell you something else that we can lump in with that too is SSO. You know, mm. and 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 I would even take that a step further and say um, almost zero trust. And what I mean by that is everybody's putting conditional access out front. Everybody's putting SSO out front. We're, we're doing a pen test this week on a client that we pin, we've pen tested like every year for five years. And every year their application portfolio gets beat up really bad because they're all custom apps. It's a really specialized space that they live in. Um, and, and so the difference this year is they SSO'd everything to Microsoft. And it's all conditional access. It's all MFA. And so this, this pen test was us beating our head against the wall, trying to, you know, password spray, credential stuff, get access to an account, which we didn't do. And, and so their pen test report's going to be really short by comparison to previous years because they've SSO'd everything and they've put it kind of behind that trust wall. And so um, we're seeing a lot more of that, by the way. And, and I mean a lot more by orders of magnitude from January to December, um, it has changed. The landscape has changed. And I think that's going to continue. I do think we're heading toward a zero trust um, being the standard or, or at least everything being behind a wall of auth, you know, so like you can't even talk to this app unless you, unless you present me with a valid key. So I think that's a good thing. I like to see it. It does make pen testing really hard, which is a good thing. So, yeah. But it also means that we just adopt, right? So, I mean, yep. in terms of the MFA prompt bombing, and maybe maybe that goes away, but then now maybe the focus then comes. All right, can I steal your token? Yes, absolutely. So it, it, it definitely, it definitely, you know, with every every, it's an arms race, right? So it is an arms time, race. You know, one method uh, goes away, another one eventually pops up. Without a doubt, it's part. It's part of what makes the job fun. So yeah, token theft's a really big thing right now. There are a lot of evolving tools. Um, I would tell people to watch for. Token phishing, token theft, watering hole attacks, things like that. I still think we're going to see a lot of that evolving to take the place of MFA prompt bombing. Um, and, and so I would say keep your, you know, keep your thumb on that one because it's going to it's going to blossom in 2024. Um, and the third party supply chain compromise is kind of the last thing on the list for us. 
Um, yeah, it's going to continue, dude. Yeah. Why, why, why would I go attack, you know, let, let's use power companies as an example. Why would I attack a power company when I can go and I can attack um, Simeons or Siemens or however you pronounce that name, right? Because we know they produce PLCs for basically everybody in the freaking country. And it's probably a lot of people outside the country. So why don't I just go embed firmware viruses into their PLCs? Because I could probably hack them easier. They're much larger. They're manufacturing, which is harder to secure. And then just, and just let it, let it bake out into, you know, the, these power companies. So, so yeah, I do think supply chain um, is going to continue to be a big thing going forward. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. No, it's not. It's not. Um, So, all right. So uh, there's one thing left and it's cloud. Do you want to save that for part two or do you want to dive right into it? No, let's, let's dive into it. Cause I think we've touched on it a little bit already, but I think it's, it's such a big deal and not only just from a, a threat actor perspective, but also I just keep going back from a security control perspective. And you touched mm-hmm. on it earlier. Um, these vendors are getting better. And what we're seeing, especially within the web app space, we're seeing less and less of, oh, I wrote my own custom app and it's all yeah, yeah. living, you know, on these servers that I that we control. And it's more so, nope, I wrote a front end and they just consume cloud services. And yeah. that dramatically changes things. I mean, I look at, you know, one of my favorite things to do is upload a reverse show. Ooh, look, now I'm on the server. Yeah. Can't and really... by the way, you just pivoted from, from uh dev to prod. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know what? Can't really do that. If, Oh, every time I upload a file, it's going to an S3 bug. Not that you can't, yeah. but it just adds an additional layer of complexity. It's not. Sure it does. Um, Microservices, so man. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're seeing more and more of that, which is, which is great. Uh, it just means, you know, we pivot more towards, you know, okay, now my focus, if you're using Kubernetes, now my focus is, can I get onto your Kubernetes cluster? And then can I, you know, pivot from there? It just changes yeah, things. It does. And so I would argue, so, so it's, like you said, it's, it's a good and a bad thing for people, right? It's good because it solves some problems. The, the old style, you know, three tier web application architecture sitting on physical boxes in a DMZ, you know, yeah, it's time for that to go away. We have better solutions for that. And and because that's going away, like you said, it's a little bit harder to attack those physical pieces of infrastructure. You know, I can't I can't run X, XP command shell, right? Because it's a no SQL database with an API. Like it just doesn't happen. So so that's cool. But the problem to your point is we're we're also feathering out that attack surface now. So instead of having three pieces of architecture, I got 25. And, you know, there are microservices, there's APIs, there's the, you know, the front end, um, you know, now we're, we're farming off authentication. Identity management is like an 18th piece of, of the puzzle. And so, you know, that, what that does for me is that's a lot more opportunities for somebody to make a mistake. Right. And to your point, maybe I attack Kubernetes, right? Maybe instead I attack your core cloud infrastructure, right? And I go after your Azure AD instance. Because once I get in there, now I can start impersonating people. Now I can start, you know, spinning up my own malicious applications and stuff like that. So, so while you do get the, the, the things like you're talking about where certain attacks go away and this centralized view of if I attack the front end, I can get to everything else. That is going to get more complicated. Um, but, I mean, I'm just going to directly attack the individual components now. Yep. So yeah, it ju- it just it forces us to change and uh, and and this is something that that Tyler actually hit on on an external penetration test. He found an exposed cloud resource that was not supposed to be publicly available, 
And the conversation we had with the client is like, hey, this is what scares us about this stuff. And I think it was an S3 bucket, but it, it's one ACL misconfiguration away. It's one checkbox from being dumped on the internet, right? And how many times have you heard of, of legitimate you know, data exposure events um, happening because of that. Yeah, it yeah. still happens. Yeah, right? with Microsoft a couple of, a couple of months ago. Yeah, thinking, yeah, with some AI. Stuff, so, <laughs> and and so you know, and that's something that you know goes back to you know my kind of earlier days in the industry, which is you know nothing you have should be one misconfigure away, one misconfiguration away from a catastrophe. You know there need to be a layered controls, layered approach, and we seem to have lost that a little bit, in my opinion, at, during our our rush to the cloud. And so, you know, I think that's something to watch. I think I think we need to start seeing some better controls around that. Um, and, I, and I do think the vendors are doing, like I, said, I just keep harping on this, but it, it's just because I see it. They're doing a little bit of a better job of, it used to be in the past, AWS, Azure, by default, it was like- Oh, it was all screwed to, up. Yeah. yeah. You had to know how to configure it securely. But now they're, they, they, they're moving towards this, this model of, okay, you're going to spin this thing up. You now have to go out of your way to turn off some of the security controls. Yeah. And it, it like, it, it barks at you the whole time. It's like, if you do this, it's going to be insecure. Are you sure you want to, I love that. I think that's fantastic. Uh, I wish it were that way everywhere. Um, unfortunately, the more complex your environment gets, the harder it is yep. to, to let those, uh, you know, the, those controls help you, but um, you just got to know what you're doing, man. And, and it's hard to know what you're doing when the entire interface to your cloud management architecture changes daily. I'm talking to you, Microsoft, and and Amazon for for that matter. Every time I log in, it looks completely different. And the tool that used to be three clicks in the right, it's in a completely different place now. So they need to settle that shit down, in my opinion. You tell me but, you don't like having to, you don't like the fact that Microsoft renames their tools. Oh man, they rename it, they move it, they change what it does, and it's just like, dude, can we just not? You know, and in my mind, I just envision like every time a new manager gets to Microsoft for for a product, he's like, nope, I'm going to, this is, this is going to be me establishing my place in Microsoft. So I'm going to rename it to some arbitrary thing that nobody's ever going to remember five years from now. It drives me nuts, man. But, uh, but yeah, so, so guys keep, keep looking into 2024 for the evolution of cloud, the evolution of threats to cloud, you know, cloud's not going away. Obviously, in fact, it's probably going to become the most prolific infrastructure anywhere if it's not already it may already be there and and the last thing i just kind of want to cover is, is is also expect to see threat actors utilizing the cloud more and more and more and more it's it's, oh, it's yeah. going to happen um not just it's not just attacking it in terms of being able to go from cloud to on prem and vice versa but also oh, we leverage it yeah yeah 100% you know like if i'm going to spin up you know a fish and fishing infrastructure it's going to look extremely realistic when it's coming from AWS or uh, Azure. Um, mm-hmm. Or in a lot of cases, you know, you, you'll, once again, going back to misconfigurations, you know, you may be blocking everything external, but if I spin something up in AWS, you're in AWS and you don't have everything configured correctly, well, boom, now I can talk directly to whatever it is I want to because of how you have things configured. So completely you definitely see threat actors and pen testers utilizing these services a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, we actually we actually use uh, AWS to attack Microsoft all the time. So, and, and like almost daily. So, yeah, it, absolutely, man. No, no question about it. Um, it's it's gonna it's gonna it's happening now. It's gonna continue to happen. So, 
Um, and, and actually, we use DigitalOcean to attack both. No, all three. We attack Google, Microsoft, and from DigitalOcean. So um, sorry about your reputation, DigitalOcean. That's, our, <laughs> that's, that's probably our fault. But anyway, uh, listen, folks, uh, that's all the time we have for today. You can expect part two very soon. Um, you know, if you uh, have any questions for us, reach out. We'll put all our contact information in the show notes. You know, and uh, thank you for listening and watching. If you enjoyed this, like I said before, share, subscribe whatever the little buttons and all that good stuff do. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. 